Hi friends, welcome back. Today I want to introduce my good friend Alex, who I met at work back in 2016, I think it was. She's an amazingly beautiful human that I have remained very close with after all these years. And we've had multiple job changes, life changes, and we even got engaged on the same day. And it was not planned. I call her a New York City tech queen because she's worked at some of the coolest companies like WeWork, Facebook, Etsy, and now at Spotify. I'm truly impressed with her hard work, her dedication, but also just how kind and beautiful her soul is. Especially after what she shares in today's episode, I am so impressed by her and I'm so happy for how how far she's come with all that she's endured and all the obstacles that were thrown her way growing up as first-gen Korean. She's also been a mentor to me and I feel very, very lucky to have someone like her in my life. In this episode, we talk about making friends in school as kids and teenagers, growing up as a first-gen minority, but also just how we didn't even feel like we fit in with our own cultures. She didn't feel that she was Asian enough. I didn't feel like I was Hispanic enough. And we tap into that a little deeper. Um, and it was rough. It was, it was hard. It was a hard conversation to have. It brought back some memories. So we do get a little emotional, so excuse us for <laughs> for getting deep there. I also share a little bit about how I would lie about being Hispanic just to avoid being a target for bullies and for girls who are mean for no reason. And how, while that was, you know, we're not proud of that. But today, that would not even cross my mind. It wouldn't even cross my mind to pretend that I wasn't Hispanic. I am so incredibly proud today to be where I am, to be who I am, and to have those experiences. Because if it wasn't for the people that tried to bring us down, I don't know that I'd be here today. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. And I hope you enjoy. Here's Alex. So my name is Alex. I currently live in New Jersey. Um, I was born in Delaware and I moved around a lot as a kid. I grew up most of my like younger years in New Jersey. And then in high school, I would say my life was uprooted and moved to Long Island. And then I went to college in New York City. I went to NYU. And then since that, then I stayed in the city with a one-year stint out in SF. And then I moved back. Um, I'm Korean-American. I'm the oldest of three. So my, both my parents immigrated to the United States when they were in, like, middle school. So I would say, compared to most people my age, my parents immigrated to the United States at a lot younger of an age. Wow. Did they come together? No. So yeah, my dad came, I think he was a little older. So he was like older middle school and he immigrated to like the Baltimore area. 
and my mom, I don't know where she like first landed here, but she was somewhere and then she's been in South Jersey since. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. I totally like they were here a long time. Yeah, I think that's like, I think that's like the one biggest difference for like myself and most other like Asian first generations because most people, their parents either immigrated here for college or post-college. And so my parents have been here like for a long time in comparison. (laughs) So then, wow, because I was going to ask you like, where did you grow up? But it sounds like you've grown up in multiple places did you feel a sense of community in certain areas versus others? Yeah, no, 100%. So so for most of my life, I grew up in a town called Edison, New Jersey. It's very diverse. Um, and so I was there from like kindergarten to freshman and high school. And honestly, during that time, I mean, there were definitely moments where you're like, oh, you're different, but it was such a diverse town that it's like, you know, you're different, but there were still a lot of people that look like me did things that I did, spoke the way I spoke. And so like you, there were moments, but like it wasn't like flashed in my face. But the big time that I noticed like, oh, how different it is, is actually when I moved to Long Island. So after my freshman year of high school, I moved to Long Island and it's a super small town. Like it's so small that like the elementary school, middle school and high school, they're all built on like one plot of land and you literally just move over buildings. So there's no new faces unless you move into the town. So not only was I like new to the town, but I was new and I was not white. Um, The entire, like if I had to count like the people of color in at least my grade, it was less than 10 people. So it's like, you were very different. It's like, oh, hello. (laughs) Wow, that's crazy. So my experience was what you experienced in high school, but from the beginning so I never Mm -hmm. had that kind of transition transition yeah that I was like whoa because I was just from a young age you know I don't know if you heard my kindergarten story but it was immediate like (laughs) um yeah what you know what is this and I was like yeah so like I never had like I mean I definitely had those moments where like you know there's like that stereotype of like oh you bringing lunch and people are like oh what is that it smells like that's happened I have experienced that But at the same time, it was, like, never just me. So it's, like, even though it's, like, I felt like I was being picked on because of it, it, at a young age, it wasn't necessarily because I was Asian, right? Like, that part didn't really click as strongly until I was a little older. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. My, My lunch stories are similar to yours where my mom used to send me, like, really delicious soups in a thermos Yum. and the thermos would leak oh. <laughs> it smelled really bad when it's <laughs> leaked and it's not fresh you know so kids would be like what the fuck and then I wouldn't eat because I was like too afraid to open the thermos so I'd be like oh can I you know I'd go get like chicken like chicken nuggets or whatever it was but now of course fast forward it's like when I bring food to work everyone's like oh that's delicious like what is that yeah. and I'm like fuck off like you wouldn't have said this in elementary school yeah that's like my big thing is like everything now especially with like korean culture stuff is like all taken off now because of like k-pop whatever and i'm like all you like people who are like oh i love kimchi now i'm like yeah right when even when i open my fridge and i smell that i'm like oh shoot that smells so i'm like 
don't give me this whole like BS. I was like, y'all hated this shit from like day one. I was like, now you think it's cool. And I also think it's it it'll be interesting um, to see how now that Korean culture or Latin culture, it's all kind of taken off, and it's cool to have these you know cultural ex- like food experiences. Yeah. Um, how kids growing up today with that, like are they dealing with it too or no? Because like their parents are like, Oh, it's cool. Like I'm going to send my white third grader with kimchi to lunch. Like I'm curious about that. I don't know. Does anyone know? Honestly, that's a great question because it, it is like pretty interesting because I think in a lot of ways, like the younger generations are being exposed to so many other things that the hope is like they're being exposed enough that like, you're not as, like, ignorant of, like, how you ask questions and try to, like, look into, like, things that are new. But at the same time, I'm, like, maybe I'm being a little too optimistic. (laughs) No, I definitely see some of these influencers. This is one influencer that I love. Her name is Savan, and she takes her, like, little three-year-old daughter to, like, eat sushi with chopsticks. And I'm, like, this is so cool. Like, you know, our parents, I mean, my parents would never. They were feeding me rice and chicken my whole life. Um, but it's cool that these younger kids will ha- will be more exposed to it because their parents are eating it, you know? I mean, that's the hope, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, w- I was curious with the different moves that you made. Do you still Are you still friends with the people that you were friends with before you, you moved to Long Island or after? Yeah, actually, like, the people who I consider, like, my closest friends are everyone from, like, my old town in Jersey, um, from like my town in Long Island, ironically, like the only person I talked to on a regular basis was also another person of color. And she's probably the only person that like, I talk to at least regularly, like other people, maybe I talk to like once every like year, but she also went to NYU. So we like hung out at college and like still hang out now. But yeah, it is crazy. Like I do think I, I never felt like a shared experience with people I went to high school with. Um, so like there was nothing that bonded me to them. So like when I left for college, I was like, all right, bye. See you never. <laughs> and like, pretty much was like, never back. <laughs> yeah. And I pretty much was like, all right, I'm going to go find my old friends and essentially like reconnected with my old, like high school, middle school friends and then made new friends. That's so nice. And then you met me later on in life. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting because I don't, I don't really talk to anyone from high school or elementary school, like on a regular basis. Where like I hang out with them and like we know each, what's up with each other's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but from elementary school, some some people like I'll be like, hey, how are you know like, but we yeah. don't hang out. I should also know. I also grew up in Long Island, so. <laughs> We have very similar sentiments towards that area. When I did grow up in my town, it was also like I I felt, I guess it wasn't racism. It was just like kids being idiots, right? Because like, do they really know what racism is in elementary school? I don't know. But it was more likely their parents putting shit in their head. But I had a weird thing where of the Latino kids – they were mostly Dominican. Mm. So then I got bullied from Dominican people because I wasn't Dominican because I was Salvadorian. Mm. So 
I was always in this weird place like okay where the fuck do I fit in if I'm not Dominican and I'm not white like how do like who is my yeah where's my community right the Latino kids would be like oh she's trying to be white but then like my white friends would be like oh you're like a Mexican you know (laughs) because they were just so uncultured and like grew up eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that they didn't know any better and I mean I'm not friends with any of those people now but it definitely was something that as a kid and as a teenager trying to figure out like where I belonged really my focus was I cannot wait to get the fuck out of here and not come back yeah I mean I feel like I had like experience like that all over the place so like even when I was younger right I didn't have that many friends who were Korean I like generally gravitated other like Chinese kids or Indian kids and so like for me I always felt like left out from Korean kids because like they didn't want to be my friends because they were like oh but like you don't even watch this like k-drama and you don't like listen to this music and I was like yeah I, I, I don't so then it's like I always felt like left out it's like there's like a Korean word for it it's called wangta and like that was like the joke like I was the kid who was like left out so like I never felt connected to like the Korean group of kids um and then like when I moved I was like in high school I was like oh fuck I hate being Asian I was like you're not like it's like I'm born here I'm raised here I'm American but I'm not white and like they don't accept me and now I'm like all this different and so like for most of my life I like hated being Korean and being Asian I think like it's just like it made life harder it's like you just couldn't get along with people you couldn't relate and I don't think it was until like sometime in like early or mid-college where I was like starting to appreciate that I had a secondary culture and like actually appreciated the fact that I can speak a language that isn't just English and appreciated that like my parents like forced me to go to Korean school because I hated that too when I was younger. Um, but yeah, I think it took a long time before like I realized like and found like that own, like my own community of friends that like we all fit the same. I mean, we still don't, but like close enough. But I think we're in a better place where we can accept ourselves and we're proud of ourselves because when you were just saying that, it like it like broke my heart because it reminds me of when I was also – like the exact same thing, Alex. Mm-hmm. I hated being Latina. Like I hated yeah. being Salvadorian. And I wouldn't tell people. Like I'd be like, oh, I'm Greek or Italian. Like I would, there would be times I lied to people that like I didn't know because I was ashamed and mm. because it wasn't accepting – you yeah. know, so I would lie or even like to some Dominican people who I just might be like, oh, I'm Dominican, like just because I just didn't want to hear it. So I'd lie. Yeah. And then I would cry to my aunt who is Romanian, actually. And I just I would cry to her. I'd be like, I just want to be white. Like I would I, I pray to God every night that I wake up white. Oh, that's so sad. It is like it's sad, but it's like I it, I feel it because. I think it sucks. I'm pretty sure, like, every kid who is not white probably has had that feeling in some way, shape, or form. And honestly, like, now, I'm, like, I want to say, like, it's, like, it's it's both, like, disgusting to me, but also, like, probably the saddest thing I've ever heard because it's, like, that's how different you are made to feel that you just think, like, your complete identity isn't worth anything. And it's, like, as a kid, like, you don't know any better, and it's, like... Yeah, I'm like crying now because I think it's so sad. Where were you my whole life, Alex? (laughs) But you know what's crazy though? It's like, I think 
even if I knew you younger, we wouldn't have connected on this because like that one friend I told you about from my high school that we are in touch, we didn't connect and talk about how we felt in high school until I think three years ago. Like that's how long it took even post high school for us to chat. And like she and I felt like the exact same things, but like hers was a little different because like you, she grew up in that town. So she went through it her whole life. And I was like, who knew, like, if we actually talked about this in high school, if we both would have felt, like, less alone. But it's, like, also when you're that young, like, you don't want to be the one that's, like, different and be, like, oh, like, that hurt my feelings. Or, like, they said this and, like, like, the number of times I've had, like, people ask, and not even just students, like, adults ask me, can you see from my eyes? Because they're, like, smaller because I'm Asian. And I'm like, yeah, like, I have fucking eyes. You use them to see. Of course I can see. I'm not blind. Like, but it's crazy because it's, like, it was, like, normalized. Like, that wasn't, like, seen as offensive from, like, the outside group of people in my town. And I'm, like, and I'm just, like, yeah, we can say, like, they were ignorant. But I'm also, like, but you're also racist. (laughs) Like, how do you, as a grown adult, ask that to, like, a kid who's, like, 15? And it's, like, that's absurd. That's insane. Like, yeah. that fucking pisses me off. <laughs> yeah, but it's like when you're a kid, you're just like, ha, 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 yeah, I can see. And then exactly. it's like five, ten years later, you're like, no, that was like the most offensive thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> well, that's the thing, because we couldn't defend ourselves. Like, we yeah. couldn't say anything. Like, do you know how many times I would hear, like, I'd be on play dates and I hear these fucking moms talk shit about my mom? And you can't say anything. You just you pretend you didn't hear it. And yeah, going back to what you mentioned before, how you and your friend didn't talk about it until like three years ago, that's because when we were little, we try to suppress these things, right? Like yeah. these are traumatic moments that we're like, okay, that didn't happen. I'm just going to move on with my life. But then in these conversations that we have, we are like remembering and you're like, whoa, I remember this one time, you know? Yeah. So fast forward to today, you have a shit ton of friends and <laughs> – and they're all like really good quality friendships right so do you feel like your view on the people that you've let into your life now has changed versus when you were younger yeah because I feel like when you're younger I mean it sounds like really extreme but it's like you make friends for survivorship like you try to find friends that you know will accept you hold you in and that like you don't feel left out And even though you might not like everything about them, you're kind of like, oh, but, like, they're the ones who, like, take me in and invite me to the movies. Um, Versus, like, now I'm super, like, I'm selective of my friends. Like, I want people around me who, like, push me to actually work harder, um, who, like, are asking me, like, the tough questions, who also, like, I can bring a topic that's, like, political and it's, like, We're not going to, like, I mean, we might yell at each other, but it also, like, is a productive conversation, and, like, we're trying to understand everyone's views, and it's a group of people that I know are always going to challenge me, but they also love me and are supportive of me, and, like, if you can't fulfill those needs, it's like, I'm going to cut you out of my life because the baggage isn't worth it, and I feel like that's where, like, I'm so grateful that I've grown to because I don't know that I could have done that, like, 15 years ago but now I'm like if you're not adding value to me like and if it feels like work for me to like maintain our friendship I'm like I don't need that stress in my life I have enough friends it's okay I agree 100% when you just said our friendships 
back then were survival, I feel the same exact way. Like, yeah, who is going to be nice to me? Who's going to make me feel safe? I don't give a shit if, you know, you killed someone last night. But, like, as long as you invite me to the movies tomorrow, <laughs> I'll your friends. All right, maybe that's a little extreme, but no, I get it. No, that was definitely it. extreme. I was, no one was murdering in fifth grade. <laughs> but honestly, like, like, the people that I would make friends with, when I look back, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, that was 100% because they were just, like, friendly to me and, you know, yeah. had a cousin that, like, was popular. And maybe I wouldn't be bullied because I was friends with this person, you know? Yeah, exactly. And now the friends that I have, I'm like, okay, the 10 of you, we're going to chat when we chat. There's no expectations. Like, don't get mad at me if I don't, like, come over because you wanted to, you know, go out yeah. and I don't want to. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, when you're in a friendship or a relationship or anything, really, that is very demanding of you and, like, doesn't respect your time or what you want, I think that's when you know you're like, yeah, this is not going to work for me. Yeah. And I think that's, like, important because – there's, like, also, like, a lot of baggage as, like, we're both women, we're people of color. There's other things in our life that we have to actually suck up and deal with that a friendship shouldn't be one of those things. So, looking back at, obviously, everything you've accomplished because you've come such a long way and I'm, like, I want to be you when I grow up. You have an awesome career. You bought your fucking house by 30. You're in an amazing relationship. You have awesome friends, an awesome fiance who we're obsessed with. And also, like, you have the most amazing bond with your family that I'm, like, super jealous of. Um, Knowing all these things now, you can, like, literally, Mm -hmm. I just listed them out for you in case you forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. What advice would you give your younger self? So, like, eight-year-old Alex. not Actually, not even eight-year-old Alex. 16-year-old Alex. So you're in high school and you're, like, in not a great place. Yeah. Like, what advice would you give to her around, oh. one, your place in the world, but also, like, the friendships that that you have? Oh, that is so hard. I feel like... And try to I do it without like... crying. <laughs> make me cry (laughs) I'll try um I would say I mean it sounds so like lame but honestly it'd be like it's going to be okay and things are gonna work out because I think when you're that young also I just gave myself like a lot of pressure in high school I think I like took all the energy from like trying to make friends and just propelled it all to like well I need to be really successful and I was probably like the most burnt out like high school student I've ever met and so I would like just say like it's okay like things really are going to work out and like it pissed me off so much when my parents would say this to me but if you like actually are putting effort into making friends into finding your voice your identity and like your future inevitably it's going to work out because you're actually putting that energy and time into it um and so it's like all that stress and like anger and anxiety you hold on to it it's not helping you in any way and so it's like learning to slowly release that and kind of like if i knew what mantras were back then maybe like do that like super 
girl thing in the morning where you have your hands on your waist and you're like, I'm strong, I'm brave, um, to remind yourself that like you actually are those things. Um, that's probably like the advice I would give myself because yeah, I was a great kid and I don't think I like ever took the time back then to like appreciate what I went through and like what I accomplished and only now do I look back and I'm like, wow, you did so much. Yeah, that's it. I went to go see Hamilton this last weekend and the guy who was leading for Aaron Burr was Asian and he was Korean and I was like, I don't know that I've ever seen like an Asian male lead on Broadway for all the shows that I've ever seen. And then the fact that he was also Korean, I was like, mind blown. I like cried when he sang because I was like, I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) You literally are like me when any like small thing happens. I'm like, oh my God. And Max is like, okay, relax. I know. My friends are like, your tears are not a gauge for anything that's like sad or (laughs) exciting. Because like you cry about everything. I mean, we have Lynn to thank for that. I feel like Lynn Manuel, like, literally has just everything that he works on is to make sure that we're represented in the best way. And it a lot of it is first gen representation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 